Yo, what's up? This is DJ Yellow from the world's most dangerous group. What's up? This is DOC, the Diggy Diggy motherfucking doc. Yo, 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 what's up? This is your boy Z Murray. What up, y'all? This is Eshaw. This is Jerry Heller, motherfucker. This your boy DJ Paul KOL for 360 Young Dizzy Bone. Vice World. This your man Matt Mine and Hell Razor. Yo, this is DJ Ready Red. What up, what up, what up? This is the real Rick Ross, and you're listening to me on the Murder Master Music Show. Anyway, 
when we get to that, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that. But yeah, um, Gable, Clark Gable from 5150, illegally insane. Basically, yeah, that's who I am. Was a DJ. Well, you, the name started, started off early DJ on, Clark right? Gable. Didn't you? Go ahead. Didn't you start like uh, um, in the early 80s? Yeah, I'm an OG, so uh, I started DJing in about 84 and uh you know and, and it just evolved from there uh to making beats most DJs turn into producers a lot of producers used to be DJs and uh you know I'm still a dope ass DJ I love DJing but uh it was back then like you would go from DJing to you, you get a drum machine you know what I mean? And it's like, you play with that, and you had motherfuckers rapping, you know? And so it, it just evolved. Uh, because when I first started DJing, I didn't know any rappers. <laughs> no rappers in the, in the in the West Coast. It was, a, it was like maybe one or two. That was it, you know? But like, uh, yeah. It, it, I was, like you said, I was a pioneer. We I, I started with a bunch of us. <laughs> it's a bunch of us pioneers, like yourself. Yeah. You know, um, we're all pioneers. You being from Marin, you go back. I mean, that's the north. Back. That's the northern Cali. Um, did yeah. you ever, uh, you know, northern at that Cali, same yeah. time, San Francisco Bay Area? At that same time, um, in Southern Cali, you know, Macola Records was popping. You know, with Ice T and, and uh, even Two Live Crew was over there at that time. Did you ever think of uh, linking up with them? Not at all. Uh, we were fans of them, but at that same time, we had closer to us two short and seventy-five girls. You know, and it was like that was more. Our alley, like if we wanted to hook up with anybody, it was going to be somebody like that. But at the time, uh, <clears throat> we were, I wasn't dealing with any serious rappers who had the talent, you know, who we wanted to even go pursue 75 girls. And, uh, you know, we were just in it for the fun of it, you know what I mean, back in the days. Because like I said, I was a DJ. The DJing part of it is all fun. Making beats is all fun. When it comes to making money, you know, it you escalate it to another level, but it turns into work, but it's still fun. We were having fun with it. We weren't, you know. My boy, uh, my cousin, Cool, at the time, he was the rapper, DJ, producer, and he would, uh, he, he didn't even write. He would just come off the head. You know, back in the days, you would, would make a beat. I'd have the little background track going on the turntable, looping it, you know, on turntable one and two, because that was pre-sampler days. That's what we did. 808 with two turntables, and then he would rap, and but <laughs> and we would do it live. We just hit record on the tape deck and record live, and if he made a mistake, he made a mistake. And, you know, it was like up to him. Sometimes he'd make a mistake and just ride through it. 
sometimes he'd say, nah, cut, we'll start all over. But the thing was with him, he didn't write. So when we did it again, when we had to start over, it was going to be completely different. And it's a whole bunch of cats who can relate to that because that's how it was back then. People didn't write. When you wrote, you know, that was, that was another level of the game. You know what I mean? Like Tupac, my boy Ryan D. Uh, you know, they were writers, real rappers. But these guys, like my boy, my cousin, cool. He, you know, he turned into a writer, but he was just a natural. Some people were just natural. They could just come off the head. He didn't even feel like he had to write after a minute. But then yeah, when people came, came around like Pop, <laughs> he had to. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yep. Um, Pac, uh, and the rap thing hit Marin City in about 1986. What's that? Yeah, he no doubt. He, uh, wherever. In Marin, Oakland, wherever. He elevated the whole game. No doubt. What were your <laughs> first impressions of Pac and when did you meet him? I met Pac in 1988. I graduated high school in 87. So, no, I graduated high school in 86. And uh, I had a whole, you know, I'm fucking off 87. I'm working. Always had a job. I even had a job in high school. So when I got out of high school, I didn't go to college. I just started working, you know, and, uh, and I'm doing my DJ thing, making beats and shit, you know, fucking around with my cousin, having fun. And Pac hit the town in 87. He hit Maroon City in 87. But I didn't meet him right away in 87. He was a little younger than me. So a lot of the cats he hung out with, you know, I didn't hang out with. And But word got to me because I was the, the music guy in Marin City. So if you had anything to do with music, if you could rap, if you could play an instrument, if you could DJ, if you could dance, you know, hip hop dance, send you my direction. And, uh, you know, and we would usually link up, do something. But that's how it was. So when they heard that Tupac could rap, they sent him my direction. And they wanted to find out if he was a fraud, really, because a lot of people would come through the town and claim to be rappers, and then they would put him in front of me. They would send him to me, and they would say that rap. And, you know, somebody was saying a rap that was, you know, they was, they was a fraud. They was, my boy came out saying uh, Rakim's rap one time, not Tupac another guy from the town, you know. And then while he was spitting, I told him to spit a rap, and he spit that rap. I joined in with him, you know, and made him look stupid. And But when Pop, when I told him to spit a rap, he said, okay, I'm going to go get my rap book, and I'll be right back. And that told me right there. I was like, oh, okay, so he's the writer, like we were just talking about. And he left, went to the house and got his rap book, came back, not even five minutes later, and uh, I told him, to, you know, give me your best one, you know, or your most, whichever one you think you want to make your first impression, uh, first impression with me. 
he spit a rap called Misplaced Microphone. And it was dope, but it wasn't like anything that we wanted to hear at that time, you know. Uh, it was about him losing his, and misplacing his mic and going around looking for it, you know. And it was a nice little story, very creative, but, you know, we told him we don't want to hear about that. We want to hear about the shit on the street, and, you know. And so that was that was my first impression. Right after that, he just dug around in the book. He found another rap impression was the misplaced microphone because I don't even remember the second rap that he said, even though it was in a different taste. It wasn't that fantasy story type of rap that he just spit. Um, you know, he, he was just showing me his versatility. But that was my first impression. It was I was impressed. He was good. He was a writer. He had, I mean, he he had talent. Uh, I didn't just, I didn't really notice his like, like that he was special until, you know, maybe a few months later. But it wasn't hard to tell because he would, he could evolve so quickly, and that's that's what made him stand out. Also, his determination to, to to make it to the top of the rap game. That was something yeah, that he uh, did. He didn't do that on accident. He, <laughs> he, um, he always had a sense yeah. that he wasn't going to live long. Um, when I interviewed Shock G uh, years ago, uh, Shock told me that um, when they were doing the first uh, Tupac album, Tupacalypse, he told uh, Shock that he wanted uh, them to rush it so he could get it done because he was afraid he was going to die before the album was finished. Did Pac have that type of, uh, you know, awareness of, of, about his his demise back then? Was was he worried about his life at that point in time? He was not, but he was a different individual at that time. There was a point in time where he he kind of he just like uh did a one eighty basically there was a time in the beginning where he would he told me this personally like uh almost verbatim it's as close as I could remember, but he told me literally that as soon as he said if I ever get any influence where I can where I can say something and influence black people and any influence whatsoever from this rap game, I'm gonna uplift my black people. He that was one that was one thing that he wanted to do. This is something he said in eighty eight, eighty nine. He said it in ninety. But then he 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 made the movie Juice, made a few albums, and then he uh, he changed. And he, when he changed, I mean, like even I am early. I always related that to his <laughs> incident with the damn um, when he got shot in the head. You know, and, uh, you know when he. 
when he got shot up in the elevator at Quad Studio. You know, I, I always thought like once once you're involved in some shit like that, it's like you, it's, you don't know. It's like anything like that can happen anytime, anywhere, any day. That's what you're thinking. That's what I would have been thinking. You know what I mean? I had a heart attack. And I, all the time, I think I'm going to have, oh, shit, is this another heart attack? Oh, shit. You know, it's like all the time. So I already know, rush with death, you're close with death. And that's how he felt because he had, he didn't have a heart attack. (laughs) He had motherfuckers trying to kill him because he was trying to get what he had, you know. And then he knew, I'm going to always have something. He has some men, and he didn't do nothing but, but go up from there, you know. So it was like, I, I can understand. That's 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 all. That's why I thought that was that came from. Um, but he didn't have that back in the day to answer the question because, like I said, he had a different look on life. He might have thought maybe I die doing what I'm. I've been put on here to do like Malcolm X because I always thought he was going to turn into another Malcolm X once he got older, which I think he would have, you know, but he never got older. But um, that's what I think would have happened, you know, because like motherfuckers young, he died at 25. So motherfuckers young doing the young, dumb shit like he was doing promoting war and and asking a fool, you know, doing his thing, living that MOB life and shit. Almost that like was, was all going to play out, you know, by much. the time he hit 30. Yeah. He was trying to prove too much that he was a hardhead, you know, when he didn't have to be. Um, you know what I'm saying? He, he didn't need to. That's the problem with a lot of people, man. They still want to show out for um, these motherfuckers that don't give a fuck about them in the first place. Um you know what I'm saying? And when you make it at a certain level, you've got all these leeches and parasites just hanging on you. And he was probably frustrated with that, too. You know what I'm saying? Almost like a Mike Tyson type thing, man, where everybody's coming out of the woodwork wanting a piece of this, wanting a piece of that. It probably just took its toll on him. Right. But I, like, to be honest, I wasn't close to him in his later days, so. I can't even touch on that at all. You know what I mean? So I, I do yeah, know he, uh, any he black went man will come from rags to riches. Any black man is going to have that problem. You know what I mean? You're gonna, when you come from rags to riches, you got a whole bunch of people. You got a whole bunch of people that's still in that rags. You that came from rags to riches, but they're still in the rags. So everybody, everybody's going to want some help. And so... I can, I'm sure that was the problem, you know what I mean? But like I said, I, I honestly, I, I can't even touch you on that. But what were you saying that I missed? Well, uh, okay, let, let, let's go back. He goes into the studio and, and uh, you know, you, you, you uh, listen to him and a couple months later, you, you really found out he was really, really talented. At what point in time did you and him decide to, like, form a group called uh, One? This is before Strictly Dope, right? O-N-E. O-N-E. One Nation MC is O-N-E. Like, not long after he spit that rap, 
I mean, like when he that day when he spit that rap, we like were like, okay, well, uh, come check out what we got. If you ain't doing nothing, you know. And he came up to our little my boy DJ Shabu to his apartment where we had all the equipment at, and you know he saw that. We lived, he lived in building number 89, and this was, Shabu lived in building number 79, so that was obviously a uh, neighboring building, and so, excuse me, was there all the time. We ended up making a group. Not much longer after we made the group, uh, Shabu was like, you know, he that was his apartment. He told Pops, you can move in. He took him in his, uh, under his wing, you know. You can move in, you, you know, because Pops, they weren't him and his mom's little sister. They weren't doing that well. It wasn't like Pops was going home to a three-fourths meal, you know. So they had it better off up at Shabu spot because you don't have to worry about eating there. You won't eat. Um, Shabu had it well and took him in under his wing. Pops didn't have to worry about eating. We made our music. We formed the group O-N-E. Uh, hooking up shows. We were going to, um, we went to L.A. to do a show for the New African Panthers that Tupac hooked up. Uh, the New African Panthers were like a young group, a young branch of the Black Panthers. That, you know, that was, like I said, that was Pop's thing back in the day. And we had made a song called Panther Power just to perform down there, uh, you know, about black power. And that was, uh, that was Pop's thing for a minute, you know, that pro-black positive rap, you know, that public enemy type, uh, arrested development, you know, poor righteous teachers, that shit was just uplifting. That's the two pops. And we did it for a minute. You know what I mean? Uh, Ray Love was, that was, was the direction that he wanted to go. No, no, no. Ray Love was later. Ray Love was So he did, he did another version of Panther North. Power later. Uh, yeah, absolutely. More than one. More than one. Um, but the first one that, I mean, I can't even say it's first because I don't know if you, I've never heard one before this, but, you know, Pops has been around, New York, Baltimore, and when he made it to Bruin City, we made Panther Power. I didn't know if he had one previously. He never said that, but, uh, but yeah, we at least did the first one. Ours was, you know, 808, James Brown, funky drummer, you know, made in the house. Uh, I don't know where, if the, you know, Ray Love, the one that they made, if they made it in the studio or not. I don't even, they I don't made even it know with, if uh, I heard it, but. Uh, Chopmaster J produced that one. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, so they did that, studio, I guess. In his house studio. I remember that. I remember them days. Yeah, I remember those days. And probably, probably was my 808 uh, back then, um, you know, because I was, I, when we, when we, because how it worked out was uh, we had the group O-N-E in Marin City. And then after that, uh, you know, like I said, Pop was evolving. 
And so he wanted to expand. He moved up north. He didn't move, but like he went up north, found some cats up north. He said, uh, Ronnie Park is about 30, 40 miles up the highway up north. And he formed a group called Strictly Dope with them up there. And, you know, ain't no hate. It's like, you ready to do your thing? Go ahead. You know, fly free. Go do your thing. It's all love. We got your back. He went, started a group up there called Strictly Dope. Ray Love, my boy Capital B, and uh, DJ Dizzy, and uh, Pookie was a dancer. Might have been somebody else, but that was the, the uh, Joel. It was, it was, yeah, it was. It was a nice little group, and uh, they had that group. They formed that group and uh, ran into Layla, who lived up in Rona Park. Layla knows Adrian Gregory, who ultimately ended up being Tupac's manager, and that's the guy who hooked him up with Digital Underground. So that's like the Rona Park thing is how Pac actually hooked the whole time he still lived in Marin City, so he, you know, we still had, we would st- we still had a relationship. In fact, Pop didn't drive; we drove. Me and Ryan D both drove, had cars, and so when Pop needed to go somewhere, he would call us and ask for a ride. Like when he needed to go to Oakland to hook up with Digital Underground, we were the ones taking him over there, and so we call it the handoff. It was basically, you know, handing them off from strictly dope to digital underground. But we did it. You know what I mean? They didn't. They didn't take. Ray Love didn't drive either. I'm gonna be at a Volvo. You see him driving sometimes, but he wasn't taking Pac over to Oakland like we were. You know, we were taking him over. We took him over the first time, many times when they got off the. Uh, the tour, the Tommy Boy tour, coming back from Tokyo. We picked him up from the airport, you know, because that's that's what he did. He called us when he needed to ride, and we were there for him. But uh, we, you know, and that way, Ryan D and I also uh, developed a very good relationship with Digital Underground, uh, you know, and while Tupac was actually doing that with Digital Underground, Ryan D and myself started another group called 5150. And that was kind of the birth of Tupac was actually at the same time the birth of our group. Uh, he, he, we both released that. He released his album first, I think, in 90. I was came out later in 91. But, uh, you know, we were we were at we were at we had each other's back. You know what I mean? Even if we had a little beef on the album, it was it was all love. You know what I mean? We never had hate for each other. Never. never. But you um always. But the uh, the O N E group. How long did that last? And uh, did you guys uh, like start recording like 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 for an album or something? Nah, nah. We uh, it was short lived. Didn't even last a year. You know, maybe a year, but it was mainly to uh, you know we were doing shows. Thought maybe it would amount to something, but 
it, you know, we saw that it, that, you know, even we wanted to grow from there because that uh, that pro-black rap was actually, you know, unfortunately it was just a a trend, a phase. So it ended up playing out when the gangster <laughs> rap came in, you know. You <laughs> and everybody started going stuff. that gangster rap direction. Some straight yeah, shit. You exactly. want to pop you know, the... That yeah. is, you know, that was what we were listening to. We listening to that shit. So that was, you know, that was our inspiration. Uh, Tupac's inspirations, you know, I want, like from hanging out with him from the times we did. I watched uh, when Mac Dre's first album, uh, Young Black Brother, came out. That was, Pop was into that. He, that inspired him to write. And then later on, uh, Empty Boy, Ain't No Future in Your Front, and came out. Pop loved that. That inspired him. Uh, yeah, he was real close with MC Bree, wasn't he? D.O.C. Yeah, yeah, he was, too. Because the pop would fall in love with a song, and then before you know it, a few years later, he's rapping on the song with him. You know what I mean? That's, that's it's interesting to, you know, to actually be able to watch that, you know, hang out with a cat. Admiring. Didn't you? Empty Not breeze. to cut you off, but didn't you guys uh, go on tour with Mac Dre in the Bay Area? With uh, it was Tupac, you guys, and uh, Mac Dre. Yeah, yeah, it was a uh, it was a small tour, but yeah, we did that. Uh, we linked up with Mac Dre, uh, us in Marin City, Sticky Phil from Richmond, and um, Leo. And then I can't, I'm all, I, you know, being old and it being so long ago, I'm blanking on the, uh, there was another group from San Francisco and another group from Oakland. And we were able to do a tour, you know, like, you know, small tour to the gyms and shit, uh, community centers. It was like this, the, uh, I can't remember, uh, uh, community center in Richmond. I can't remember the name of it, but it was in like, uh, like central Richmond. It was, it was, you know, all these shows, Vallejo, Oakland, they were all in dangerous places, but because we all had, we were there with Matt Gray, everything went off without a hitch. Because we were there in Richmond with Filthy Phil, everything went off without a hitch. You know, and we were able to pull these shows off, and it was nice. But when we got to Marin City, it it, it didn't go off without a hitch. A fight broke out out there, and uh, it was it was you know it was, it was between Matt Gray's entourage and Marin City, Vallejo versus Marin City, and. It was funny because Tupac had invited Digital Underground to come out to that show. And Digital Underground was always scared to come to Marin City. But Tupac convinced them. He said, no, come out tonight. It'll be worth it. So they got a limo 
and they came out to Marin City. They didn't know their way around Marin City. So Tupac, he told us, I'm going to leave. I'm going to meet them at the bus stop, and then I'll be back with Digital Underground. And knock on the door in a couple minutes, on the side door. And so he left digital. When he left, Matt Dre was about to go on stage. Matt Dre's security, he had a big security company called BP or something like that. And they, his security told us from Marin City, we were in Marin City, at the Marin City Rec. And, you know, we're controlling the sound and everything. But they're telling us we have to get off the stage. Um, they said they wanted full control of the stage. They want everybody off. And we told them that can't happen. You know, you're in Marin City. We have to be up here in control of the sound. But they were like, nah. We'll control all that. We want everybody off while we're doing this show. We want everybody, you know, and the stage, it wasn't just the stage itself, but the whole backstage area. He wanted all of us, everybody going from there. I mean, not Matt Gray, but the security. Matt Gray was standing there. He wasn't saying much, you know, but uh, we're telling him, no, that can't happen. And then... All of a sudden, one of the homies loaded off a little bit of alcohol, just <laughs> hauled off and hit Mac Dre. We obviously, my boy hit Mac Dre. We we have we already having a, a, a discussion with the security. It, uh, the biggest fight broke out because they had a bunch of people. You know, when they had a clip that they rolled with Robber Room, they came deep. It came really, really deep. And so a fight broke out between their their clique and I was in Marin City and it was chairs and bottles and trash cans, everything flying through was the gym the stage and everybody else. Oh, was that nah, nah. He remember he went to go get uh digital underground. Oh yeah. The, yeah. Uh, bus stop. In fact yeah. <laughs> He was trying to convince him that everything would be cool. (laughs) Oh, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When they get there. And then we hear a knock on the side door, and then we open up the side door, and in steps Tupac and Shot G and Money B, all of them right behind him. And right as they stepped in the door, a trash can, like a not not a rubber one, but the old school metal one, flew by, right by their head, and they just turned around, went right back out the door, into the limo, because they they stepped in and saw all the chaos and was like, hell no, we're getting the fuck out of here right now and never coming back, and that was the only time. Digital Underground never came to Moon City, never been back again. And yeah, Tupac, it was like he had invited him, he stepped in, that shit happened. They turned around, got in the limo, and left. That was, you know, that was it to that night. But it was like, it was chaos. It was solid. I mean, like, 
yeah, that night and 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 listen to this. <clears throat> the following night, like that was a, you know might have been a Friday night, a show in Marin City that was chaos. The following night, uh, was too short. Had a show in Oakland. Too short live at the Omni. And he was doing the show for his album, Short Dogs in the House. And <laughs> we showed up. Tupac, Digital Underground was there. And so they performed. So Tupac needed a ride. We gave him a ride. He showed up with that, me and Ryan D. So we get to the show. We're backstage hanging out with everybody. We get into a little circle with two shorts and we get to telling him about the night before the fight with Mac Dre and his entourage and and right as we're telling that story Mac Dre walked in the door like oh, right shit. and the door was like right there yeah it was <laughs> and then like so we're telling Too Short this story. Mac Dre walked in the door, and Too Short, being Too Short, he says, Mac Dre, what's up? I heard you ain't too hard for the motherfucking radio. <laughs> Everybody started laughing. We felt so bad, you know what I mean? Because it made us look, it just made us look bad, you know, like we just running our mouths, you know what I mean? Uh which we were, I mean, no lie, but it just, uh, we felt bad. But it, it was, even when he walked up, it was, we had to, it was all love between, we, it was, even with the funk, there was no love lost with Matt Gray, Pop, us, you know, even with that, all that shit happening, it was still all love in that show that night. And even after that, like, the jungle would go over to uh, DJ C, who was Max Dre's DJ back then. He got shot and killed, rest in peace. And uh, DJ C used to throw parties out there in Vallejo and would invite us all the time before and after that melee. We went out there one time afterwards, and <laughs> I think it was the first time we went out and hung out with them in Vallejo at a party in their backyard, you know, and we were kind of nervous, but we, you know, it was like they wouldn't invite us if they were going to just kill us. <laughs> and so we went over there and we hanging out. It was all good. And then DJ C on the microphone, he just broke out and said, oh, y'all, all y'all jungle niggas, y'all know we ain't forgot about that shit. And everybody stopped and like, just started looking at each other. And he said, nah, y'all know I'm just fucking with y'all, man. Enjoy yourself. Because everybody just started partying and shit. But that, it, was, it was all love, man. It was crazy. If, if them only days, all, all like beats that. or whatever ended like that on a positive note, you know, where nobody got killed or <clears throat> ended up in jail or whatnot, you know. Right. That's very good. So, so you became friends with Mac Dre right. after that even if, we, even if hands were thrown. Right, even if hands were thrown, you know what I mean? It was like we could we could go past it, you know. He, he, 
we went past that. I, I didn't, you know, it, I don't really know how and why because really it's the people that were involved in the fight wasn't directly like Max Gray wasn't directly involved. He just got hit. You know what I mean? We didn't go that punch. You know what I mean? So it was like we weren't directly related to that. He he saw us over here talking. We saw him over there, and that shit happened. So it was like he knew we weren't directly involved. So it was no like I said, it was it was no real beef, and it was all love. And we had love for that dude. He had love for us. We hated to hear when he got killed because Matt Gray was doing the damn thing before he went out. He was doing the damn thing. It's a shame because Kansas City shit. and the Bay had doing... that connection too, you know. Uh, before that happened, there was a lot of dope music being made. Rich the Factor, all these guys, um, and yeah, Dre. Uh, that, that hit everybody hard, man. Um, he was an ambassador of, of of your area, man. The Bay Area. He he was one of those uh, larger than life no iconic. Doubt. No figures. doubt. You know, I mean, shit, he got a bobblehead. Yeah, if that says anything, you know, if you got your own fucking bobblehead, yeah. you're on a whole other level. Not, was, he was a trendsetter. He was ahead of his time. Yeah. He was doing shit people weren't doing back then, you know, and I love that. I love that. I love seeing Common, people, too. you know, going right. in a different direction. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, too short. Did his own damn thing. You know, everybody was doing their own thing. I loved it. We did our own thing, 5150, you know what I mean? We were trying to be unique, trying to be different, you know? Yeah. You started that 5150 thing, man, because you got to remember, right after you you came out that you had Totally Insane, uh, even Easy e came out with 5150, Home for the Sick. Um, you guys were the first ones to really start that, like, uh, uh crazy persona, you know, uh, in the Bay Area. How did you feel when other people started yeah. doing it? Were you flattered by it, or were you thinking they were biting? Or... How did you feel when Easy e did No it? doubt flattered by it. Yeah. No doubt flattered by it. I mean, it was like, because every time, every time it was mentioned, you know what I mean? It was like, it was like, uh, to, to if you say the E fifty one fifty and they and, you know people be like wait what fifty you know it's it's like any time our name gets thrown up in the conversation that's a good yeah. thing just like uh you might even say totally insane it's, wait what you mean totally insane or illegally insane you know and it's like it was all. It's all, anytime your name get tossed up in that conversation, it's all—it's always good. So it was always flattering to hear, you know, to anything after that, whatever. He, I used to hear just the, the fifty-one fifty speakers, PV, <laughs> all that shit, man. Even though that probably came out before us, it was like all of that shit. I fell in love with anything that had anything related to fifty-one fifty. I loved. I never hated on anything after that. Uh, I mean, it, whether it was, you know, it was spun off of us or not, you know, I was anything related to 5150, I loved. Anything related to insanity, all that uh, 
when uh, Cypress Hill came out with insane in the membrane, you know, all that shit was like, uh, it was, it was, it was <laughs> that was our thing. It was insanity. That was, that was our thing. All, everything was about insane, illegally insane. You know, it wasn't legally, illegally insane. You get arrested for this shit. Other motherfuckers get off. We get arrested for the insane shit we do. <laughs> but that's, yeah. you know, that was all persona right there. Hell yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, Gable, this is this is dope as hell chopping it up with you. Let's go to a break. I'm going to play this song. Um, this is one uh, with Tupac. Is this the one that, that you guys did uh, in his first uh, professional studio setting on the days of a criminal? Yeah, that, if that's what you're about to play, yes, that's the one where, like, after we made the group O-N-E, and we had that group going, we were doing some things, but we're always, like I said, he was always evolving. Uh, I had the group, but I was a, I was a producer, I was a DJ, so I'm, I'm making beats for everybody in the neighborhood, too, at the same time, you know what I mean, so... Uh, we were all doing, we were, we were all, you know, still spreading ourselves, multitasking. And so what he did was he watched the movie Mobsters one night. Watching that movie, he came up with an idea for a song, a group, and a song. He, he said, I want to make a group with four members, one member named D-Money, the other guy, player, player, Tupac was one of those members, and then Wiz was another member. And these were all, like, these weren't just made-up characters. These were guys in the neighborhood. They were actually drug dealers in the neighborhood at the time, you know. And they, they, uh, they linked up with Pac, and they was like, yeah, you, you, may, you write the song. Well, rap it. So that's what Pac wanted to do. He wanted to write a song so that they could perform it, make a group called the Jungle Posse with those four cats, uh, himself included. And what happened was he wrote the song. Like, I have a talent for somebody to come to me and say a rap. And while they're saying a rap, I'll hear a beat in my head could go to that rap to just it just fit it. Custom tailored, you know, that don't exist. Not a beat that that exists, but I can I, I can do that. I can just hear some shit. The hard part is taking it out of my head and actually bringing it to life. But I could actually hear and make a song to somebody you know, once somebody rapping it. That's what I did to that day the criminal. He made he, he said that rap and I heard this bass line going to the rap the beat, all that shit. And so I was like, yeah, when we do this, we're going to go to a real studio. We're going to, you know, we looked in the newspaper, found a real studio. Uh, and then, you know, we had the, the three drug dealers working with us. Obviously, drug dealers got money, so we were able to pay for the studio time. We planned out, you know, going up there, making the beat. Tupac was going to lay the reference track for everybody. And then they were going to say that rap once they learned it. 
And so Tupac laid it down. And what happened was after he laid it down and we took it home and everybody learned it, they performed it a couple times, but we never got back to the studio for them to lay down their vocals because there was a disagreement before all of that. So the whole thing kind of blew up before it was finalized, but the end result is this song that you're about to play, All in the Days of the Criminal, which is all Tupac as four different characters. B-Money, Player Player, Tupac, and Wiz. So that's basically what you're hearing. This is Able made Production. in 1989. Yeah, and I made that beat. And this is, uh, technically, this would be the first professional Tupac song recorded then in a professional setting. Yeah, ever that first song he went to a professional studio and made. Uh, other than that, he made everything in the house. In New York, Baltimore, Marin City. This is the first studio, like real studio he ever went to. Both of them. And it. you're the first, first producer from the to. Bay Area that he worked with. The first uh one when he came yeah. out there. Like you said, he might have yeah, done something no doubt. in Baltimore or the East no Coast, doubt. but you're the first from Cali. Man, that's a um, that's a huge that's got to be a huge honor. Before we go to that track, uh, how does that make you feel knowing that you produced the first Tupac track uh, in California? Well, it, it it doesn't really make me feel any kind of way. Uh, you know, I mean. The fact that I know that it's historic, that, you know, that right there, you know, yeah, I I feel like it's historic, but, you know, I, I you know, I, it, it doesn't, I mean, the fact that I made it and, you know, it's like, I don't, it doesn't make me feel any different, you know, any better than anybody, but I do feel like this song is historic because it's the first song that he ever made in the studio. And I feel like it's historic because of him, not because of me. You know what I mean? So, I, I you know, I know I, I'm attached to it. And I know the beat is dope. I give myself some credit. You know what I mean? The 89 beat is dope. But, like, it, the song is historic because of Tupac and you know I just feel I feel honored to be attached to it you know what I mean but it doesn't it doesn't make me feel any bigger or better than anybody else I can tell you that but yeah I feel humble and honored that's basically it you know what I mean yeah yeah definitely definitely well this is uh you know what I'm saying all in the days of a criminal right here by Tupac produced by Gable 5150, we'll be right back. Don't go nowhere. We're live in Marin City, joining the manhunt for the four suspects in the Marin City Massacre, where six police officers and three informants have been brutally murdered by the Jungle Posse. Police seem to be baffled to the whereabouts of these four suspects. D-Money, easily spotted in Candy Burgundy Mercedes Benz. Player Player, last seen in the 79 tall buildings. Wiz, last spotted in high-speed pursuit with the CHP. Tupacalypse, alleged rhyme boss, said to have plotted and engineered the entire attack. 
These four men are armed, dangerous, and should be considered a threat to all law enforcement agencies. Shoot to kill. All in the days of a criminal, running from the cops and can't let them see me, so I'm hopping out the bench. It's time to let the valley step, gotta make my ends. So business on the undertip, all coppers will be dropped. So tell them not to fuck with me if hotel gets too hot. I'm heading for Marin City, the ones that like a fugitive. Some folks will never capture me. Check not on my side, who's stinging back at me and black from head to toe. I move in there to silence, the smooth is criminal. A lunatic for violence, so I'll be taking no shorts when the shit is scandalous. Perking off the zap seat, so nigga, we can handle this. Run up and get smacked up, backed up and smacked down. I'm a player, there's more in the J-Town. Bitches wanna jock and run their hands all in my head. Oh, give up the cock, or you can get up out of here. I'm living like a Mac. The nonsense will be minimal. Niggas getting jacked, will they cast peel back in the days of a criminal? All in the days of a criminal. All in the days of a criminal. In the days of all, all in the days of a criminal. In the days of all, all in the days of a criminal. In the days of all, all in the days of a criminal. I'm kicking kilos, but I started with a quarter ounce. Serving with eight cuts, every little dollar counts. Making my grits and trying to get my mail on. So fuck a cop, he'll get dropped if he steps wrong. I'm the bad guy, everybody points at me. But fuck them all, as long as the tweak is happy. Making my cash flow, how long will it last though? Pimping ain't easy, but I'm still leaving your ass broke. Pass the vapors as the papers will be coming in. I'll get the guts to give a fuck about being a friend. Bitch, I'm a play, I got no time to be bothered with. Having no babies and no long-term relationships. Because a bitch will be a bitch no matter what you say. That's why I fuck them, bust a nut, and then I'm on my way. Soon as I finish, I'll regret I even fucked a whore. Cause she'll be blowing up my beat before I shut the door. But fuck a bitch, I keep my mind on my grid. Cause yo, that's how I'm living in the days of a criminal. All in the days of a criminal. All in the days of a criminal. In the days of a all in the days of a criminal. In the days of a all in the days of a criminal. In the days of all, all in the days of a criminal. It's the menace of my rent. I killed, I kill again. Ain't nothing funny about the game I'm rolling in. You got a problem with it, mister? Handle yours. I ain't no joke, I have you broke down to your drawers. I'm trigger happy and I give less than a fuck. Love me or hate me, I'ma show enough, rip it up. It's Mr. Nothing, nice on a mic stand. Mike in the left and the zest in my right hand. I took a buck, had enough, now hold up. If that was Indo, niggas getting rolled up. You think not get dropped, we can handle this. Cause soup pop, brain locked on a cannabis. Days are dangerous, shoot them, but you can't miss. I never tripped off your bitch, cause she's scandalous. Now come and get a good look at the crook who lives his life on the streets of the jungle. Some call me animal, tell me how you figure though. Put him in the nip. In the days of a criminal. All in the days of a criminal. All in the days of a criminal. In the days of a all in the days of a criminal. In the days of a all in the days of a criminal. In the days of all, all in the days of a criminal. Jacket, nigga, I'm lethal when I'm loaded out. Like crack, take the breath out your body, leave you smoked out. So shit if you wanna, but you'll get fucked the game is thick. Rolling in Dayton's pippin' and playing a sucker bitch. Ass who's a Mac. In fact, I check out the man in black. Cause Wiz will be getting in strictly biz, I'll be making stacks. 5.0, rolling low in the J sound. Eyes on this as I dip with the top down. Straight in silk, more 
the games people play. Yeah, the the one uh, green and white is on my back, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what you're talking about with the hook. You said yes, green and white yes, is on my. Well, what's your question about that? Oh, uh, can I tell us about um, how it was to to um, to be in this song and all that uh, about '92 was the first album and also illegal and insane. Yeah, basically, you just want well, to tell them about the song. That song, I was basically going <laughs> to tell them how that song came to be. And, uh, yes, sir, it was it was funny because I made the song, I'm in the studio making the beat. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to say it, but, like, it's not incriminating. Ryan D was a drug dealer back then. And Ryan D had gotten arrested. And he was actually in jail. While he's in jail, I'm in the studio making the beat. Ryan D called the studio because he knew I was there. He knew I, you know, he knew I'm there all the time. So he got some phone time. He called the studio, talking to me on the phone in the studio, and let me hear a rap he just spit. I mean, that he just wrote, telling me in that whole conversation how the. Uh, how he he the song is what he was feeling, what he was going through, because he was telling me at the at the same time, he, you know, the the position he was in, how scared he was, and and you know, and and he wrote this song, you know, about what was he kind of poured his heart out onto paper, and then he spit it to me on the phone. And I was talking about how before how I, I could make a beat when I hear a song uh, rap because I had just I had already made this and that day and he spit this rap to me over the telephone and then I'm sitting here thinking like wow I I have this beat that will go you know it was it was it was like meant to be and then. When he did get out and it came time to record it and we got in the studio and he laid the lyrics down, I said, no, wait, there's something missing. It, it's not the same as it was that day. And sure enough, it was because he had just spit it on the microphone. So me and my boy Kendrick, who was the... uh he owned the uh, label in the studio at that time. Uh, Rick Rock. That that was. There's a Rick Rock who produces. This is not the same Rick Rock. So, Rick Rock that produces from the Bay Area for E40 and everybody. That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about my boy Kendrick. So I'm not even gonna say Rick Rock. Uh, Kendrick. Um, he. Me and him. He figured out how to go get a telephone and hook the telephone up to the to the board so that we could use the telephone as a microphone. And that was what was missing. He we had to make that phone that rap with him, getting that rap over the telephone and that's how that song came to be and and and, and we got that dramatic effect out of it and it was like uh I was already feeling that when I made the beat and then he called with that 
that you know, with 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 this rap that he pulled his heart out, you know, and it was that's how that song came to be. And it was yeah, it was that's my favorite song that I from fifty one fifty. That's my favorite song. Game people play. I'm glad you asked about that. And I, I hope I answered the question. <laughs> if I didn't yes, ask it again and I'll answer it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got a also a song, it's a, a biggest little city, Marine City in fact, and uh, on a crazy I stuck stuck again uh, album and uh, how it was to grow up in Marine City and uh, and in fact she was the first one to put Marine City in the map. Because we we know about uh Park was there but he's from New York, so it was the first one. Can you tell us about biggest middle city? Well, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that's a good question. Um, I mean, yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, Berlin City is a, is a very, very small community. So small that uh, there's like Back in the days where we were when we were recording eighties, nineties, early two thousands, there were one murder every five years, something like that. You know what I mean? There was there was not a lot of gunplay, you know. People would fight and you know, and that's it. But it's that's how small the neighborhood is. Everybody looks out for each other, you know. It's a little different now because times have changed, but that's that type of neighborhood. That's how it was back then, and that's what we, you know, that's how we we used it. Uh, we called it in one of our songs the biggest little city in America, and it was, uh, you know, it was it was not big at all. We just called it the biggest little city, but um, we used to have the whole community uh, travel with us to shows, you know, just so that we could, <laughs> if there was not a lot of people that were already going to be there, there is now, you know what I mean? But we used to make sure that we would pack the place because we would bring our own entourage, you know, uh, and, you know, nine times out of ten, our entourage and wherever we were at, everything would be fine, you know, but there is that tenth time where, you know, a fight may break out. But nine times out of ten, things went well. But Marin City, um, we, we, it was funny because, like, Tupac could have put Marin City on the map, but right, he didn't. At the time when he first blew up, he didn't feel like he could put. He didn't feel like he had the influence to put anything on the map, so he wanted to ride with a city that was already on the map. You know, so he went with Oakland, and uh, you know, because he wasn't from. You know, he, he's from New York, and he could have claimed New York, Baltimore, Marin City, Oakland. He could have put Panola on the map if he wanted to. You know what I mean? But. He didn't feel like he could do that, so he just rode with Oakland, and and you know, hey, 
hey, well, fuck it. We'll put Mother City on the map. And that's what we did. He left that job to us. And 5150 put Mother City on the map. And uh, even though we didn't blow up as big as pop, we did put the jungle on the map. And uh, and the jungle still, you know, there's still some artists coming out of there right now that are, uh, you know, doing a little bit better than us. You know what I mean? Blowing up on YouTube and shit like that. Like blowing up, getting hit, coming crazy hit. So uh, these cats are not lightweight that are coming from the town nowadays. Uh, Young Buck, Dom, Queen Foreigner. Look them up on YouTube. Uh, they're, they're, they're popping. No doubt. They call themselves the Jungle Baby. And that's when, when I refer to Marin City, that's what we call it, the Jungle. If you, if you were, I, and we call it the Jungle because it's all greenery, all trees. Like, you look at it, it looks like you're about to enter a jungle, but it's a, it's like a valley in the tree. Yeah. It's a small yeah, community, but that's what you see in the background. It's all jungle, trees and shit. That's what we call it, the jungle. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. Jungle posse, yeah. And, uh, and that's basically, yeah. Yeah, jungle posse, yeah. Can I tell us also about... Missing in Action albums. The cover was crazy. Who got the idea of the cover with the soldiers with the, the Christian uh, hiding the face of the soldiers with the helicopter and all that? Of Missing in Action. Okay, so I think you're asking how, how to come up with the crazy idea for the album? Is that what yeah, you're asking? Yeah, yeah. On the cover, no, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Basically, that that's me. That's my job. I'm the producer of the group. Uh, Ryan D is the writer. He's a rapper. One of the main. It was a couple of them, but we had a lot more than than two. We had many because we had feelings. Because you know, back in them days, people went to jail left and right. So uh, I always had to have alternate reserves. Fifty one fifty, but. Uh, but yeah, uh, my job was to come up with the concept. I would make all the beats. I would, I would make all the beats, come up with the concept for the songs. I would come up with the name, for, you know, for the concept. And then uh, they would go and make the song and the hook, you know. And depending on what the hook is, you know, that might be the name of the song. But uh, it was my idea to come up with these crazy concepts and put them so that the album would make sense. And 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 my whole thing about fifty one fifty, I wanted to be a group that put out songs that made that everybody could relate to, like criminal, not criminal, you know, regular cat, you know, uh, working a nine to five, or you could be, you know. A drug dealer, you could be a rapper. You know what I mean? It was like it, 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 it wasn't. It, it wasn't what made all these people relate. Was we were talking about the pain people go through. It was 
I used to try to bring my dramatic beat and talk about the pain, you know, talk about shit that people, the, the, the hardship that we could all relate to. Not the good shit, not, you know, not glamorizing nothing. That's what our whole thing, that's what I wanted it to be. That's what we tried to, you know, that's what we tried to emulate. And then the crazy aspect at the same time, you know what I mean? But uh, it was it was always, you know, that's why we came out with some songs like Games People Play, Ghetto Blues, Ghetto Took Me Under, you know what I mean? Don't let my child be a thug, shit like that, because I wanted to, you know, I also wanted to have some meaning and some substance to make people think, you know, try to draw a tear, you know what I mean? Make them kind of songs. Not just gangster shit, you know. Gangster beat behind it, you know, but still, while you die, while you bobbing your head, you know, crying. <laughs> That's what I was trying to do. <laughs> Something different, you know, that Bay Area shit, but not, you know, just not to shoot 'em up, bang bang shit. You know what I mean? That's that's what I was trying to get away from. That regular old shoot 'em up, bang bang. We're gonna we're gonna sell you dope, and then we're gonna rob you and shoot you. You know, we're trying to get away from that. So that that didn't that thing what went down in the city like that. So you couldn't really uh couldn't put that in an authentic manner. Let me ask you this, Gable. Did you, uh, you know, right around eighty nine, ninety, yeah. uh, Pete touched down in Richmond? Uh, did you ever have any uh, interactions with him? If so, what did you think of Master P? Man, no interactions with Master P personally, but we used to frequent the studios that he that they did, T R U, uh, and. I could tell you I admired everything that they did because they, they had a big group. TRU was big. And I liked the way that they got down. There was Richmond, the studio was in Frisco, but it was like you couldn't place them. You know what I mean? You couldn't tell they were from Richmond. You know, when you listened to their shit, it was like it was different. And and then, like, Master P, I, I never ever, from day one, never looked at him as a good rapper. That dude was a good businessman. He was the one that put him everywhere. And that's how I looked at Master P. I never looked at because I mean, even when he he came, he, I don't know one song he got through dope rapping. You know what I mean? Not one. Even Ice Cream, none of that. He just, yeah. Uh, Bought it, bought it, all that. The movie, I thought, was, you know, nah. But the fact that they did all that shit, and he was doing it, they did everything he did, and they doing it, and, and no limit and everything. I mean, it was like, I, I like, I like, I look up, I admire people like that, people like P. Diddy. I know the story, like, I'm OG, remember? So I know the story, P. Diddy used to work for uh, Uptown Records, you know what I mean? Before he started all that shit. He did he started at the bottom. You know what I mean? He he didn't just blow up, you know what I mean? So I, it's like I admire all those cats, you know. I admire Suge. Suge did it a different way, but I admire I admire what he did. He made Death Row. Death Row, the rap game wouldn't be the rap game without Death Row. 
And the rap game wouldn't be the rap game without that death row story. You know what I mean? <laughs> that shit, shit in there. You know, it's like, man, that, that shit all makes hip-hop. You know, all that shit. It's like, I, I love it. My the, the 5150 story, man, believe it or not, is heavy. I'm, I'm going to write a book about the 5150 story. It's like uh, one of the main members, Pat, he, he had a stroke and had to learn how to walk and talk all over again. Uh, oh, man. My heart attack, I had a heart attack, but that came late. That came after the fact. I survived a heart attack. My boy, uh, one of the members became an ordained minister and stopped rapping. BMFD, one of the hardest, grimiest members of the group, became an ordained minister and stopped rapping and then did a 180, came all the way back. Did fuck preaching. I'm rapping, gangster rapping again. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, 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 it's a whole bunch of shit that's going to be in that book. Because the whole bunch of shit, I have a whole bunch of shit to talk about. You know what I mean? Like the shit I've been talking about tonight. And there's a whole bunch more, you know, intimate stuff like that. Yeah. It's, 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 I, I, I went through a lot. Like I said, I'm an OG. I mean, I've been through a lot. And, uh, yeah, I'm a 5150 story. It's crazy. Um, but yeah. Yeah, you you were yeah, there yeah. for. I appreciate being on here tonight, being able to tell my story. I appreciate. Uh, man, I look forward to you coming on again in the future. You know, um, this is a, a great opportunity for us to get to know your history. You know, I, I always uh, knew of fifty one fifty, but I never knew the the roots were that deep. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know that you went back to the early 80s with it. You know, so shout out to you on your longevity. And I look forward to whatever you got coming in the future. Before we get out of here, I got one more song that I want to play. Um, it's called Why by 5150. Okay. But um, before I play that, man, brother, I want to give you the floor so you can tell everybody about what you got coming, what you're working on, and uh, you know, any shout outs, whatever, man. It's all yours, Gable. Okay, okay, really, real quick, uh, ain't, ain't too much I'm working on. I'm working on some NFT projects. Y'all can keep your eyes out for that. Uh, and, um, other than that, not much. Um, but what I want to say about the song you're about to play is, um, this is the 5150 song, right? And this was one of the songs that we made with Tupac. Uh, you know, like I said, when I had just the 808, in fact, I had graduated, my partner let me borrow his keyboard. He had a dope-ass keyboard, right? So we had that. My cousin, Koo, was one of the, like I, I was talking about him earlier tonight, he was one of the ones that rapped. He didn't write. Tupac wrote. My cousin, Koo, didn't write. But Koo would come up with these dope-ass ideas. And Koo came up with an idea. He was like, yeah, we're going to make a song. Him and him and Tupac. And I made the beat. And it said, it's called, uh, we're going to call it Fadangler. Talking about these bitches that be out there trying to Fadangler nigga, you know, trying to trying to take the nigga shit, you know. So they made a, a song about, you know, a, a shifty female called it a Fadangler. And the song was so dope, you know. We played it all around the hood. You know how this 
you just make those songs and you make a tape, it floats around the neighborhood, everybody hears it, and then, you know, you lose the tape, and then songs don't exist no more. It's one of those songs, but it was so dope that I was like, that beat, I need to carry the beat on. And so I used the same beat to make this song wide, and this is, yeah, that's basically the the root of that. The, the, the beat came from a Tupac song that I made with him in the house back in the day and 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 it was just original beat I made up you know what I mean that was just dope as fuck and I just had to use it again and that's basically uh the story about that song so you can go ahead and play it man and I, I really appreciate you letting me uh be on here with you tonight man much respect much respect and much respect to you, brother. And I look forward to doing it again in the future. You know what I'm saying? Uh, this is uh, Wyvern 5150, produced by Gable. We're out of here. Murder Man's Music Show. No doubt. Look, 
can get hit with these buckshots. This ain't no bump that you fucking with. You step to this real ass nigga and get played like a bitch. Cause I was taught by one of the chosen few. He stepped to me and said, Hey, yo. Let me holler at I ain't gon' speak on what was fuck, but I say I ain't scared to die. I peep game and now I've got game, so now I'm certified. I ain't rap that tight. I shoot a gun and say fuck the fight. Run your punk ass up and get lit up like a Christmas light. Cause I'm a psychopath when I blast. Motherfucker make me mad and then I mash. Roll up on your ass for your motherfucking cash. I never catch a case cause I wear a fucking mask. And most of all my victims be leaving in the bag. The niggas thought I was bluffing when I took what they had, motherfuckers. Really see a nigga kill another nigga. 